Wow. Well, you guys got the memo. We're meeting at 914 Second Street today. Man, we found out on Wednesday this week we couldn't meet at the Crest. And uh, so it's, man, it was a bummer in our minds. Um, you know, Vision Sunday, we've been promoting it. And uh, we just blasted as much as we could. But then we started thinking, man, maybe God wanted us down here. Maybe he wanted us to take a tour after service to walk down to our building uh, so you could see and believe with us. So, hey, God already knew this was coming. We maybe didn't know till Wednesday, but God knew. And uh, he, he's doing something in this. And so thank you guys for being here, for figuring it out. Maybe you're on social media. Maybe you drove to the crest and saw the sign. Thanks for driving over. But uh, we're really excited. And uh, the title of our message today is Family Matters. We got any Family Matters fans in here? I'm talking about Urkel, my girl Laura. You know when Urkel went swagged out, Stefan Urkel, you know what I'm talking about. Any 80s babies in the house? Come on now. So, man, we want to talk to you today about Family Matters because what we believe is that this is a family. You know, we say welcome home because we want you to feel like you're home, that, that we're in this together. In fact, it's funny, often people will come to our church and they're new or they've only been coming for a few weeks and they'll talk about you and, and them. And, and they use these words talking about what are you guys doing and what are you doing here and what are you doing there. And then usually somewhere within a few months, I hear this change and all of a sudden they say, we and us, and every time that happens, I go, yes, we got them, right? And so some of you have been coming to this church, and you've been continuing to say you and they and them, maybe because you've been hurt by a church in the past, maybe because you didn't know that you could ever feel like you belong in a church. But I believe that today some of you are going to change your vernacular and say, you know what? I'm in this thing. It's we. It's us. I'm in this. I'm in it to win it. And so that's what I'm believing God's going to release today here in this place. And uh, Chrissy and I are really excited to be just sharing a little bit about the heart of what God's doing. And so you have some things on your, your chairs, and they actually say, believe again. And uh, you can read a little more about this building and this opportunity and, and what God's doing. But I wanted to, to prep you, and we wanted to actually share some things with you about what God is doing. And uh, he, he's, he's moving in our city. And some of you... Maybe you didn't even realize it. And so if you've been here for over six years, could you, excuse me, five years? If you've been here over five years, would you raise your hands? Oh, been here from the beginning, loud and proud. Only a few. Okay, four years, three years. Keep your hands up, everybody. If you start at five, four, keep them up, three years. Two years, two years, and then one year. Weeks. Okay. <laughs> first Last time. Sunday, first time. Right. Welcome. So glad you're here. But hey, we just wanted to let you know, give you a little context of what's been happening in the last six years. So sometimes you have to look back before you can move forward, right? And so about five and a half years, almost actually six and a half years now, um, Caleb and I felt like God spoke a word into our hearts, and the word was resurgence. And so if you've been with us for as long um, as five years, you've probably heard us say that what we've been seeing in downtown and in just the greater Sacramento area is something of a resurgence. 
kind of a rebuilding of old things. And so we knew that that was the grace that God kind of had on this city on Christians and non-Christians alike, right? Christians and secular world. There's just a resurgence that's taken place. More restaurants, more businesses, um, the arts district, all these things rising up and kind of coming out from the ashes. We even brag, I'll let you tell that in your story later, but we even brag that we prayed that the kings would stay. And here we have a stadium, you know, after having hoped and prayed that even the team would be resurrected and it looked like it was on its last leg. But hey, and we're having a good year, guys. Okay. Um, but we felt like God said, there's a resurgence happening. And when my grace is, is saying resurgence in this place, that means that you who feel called to plant a church because I've called you, you're going to be a part of a spiritual resurgence. And so what we've seen happen in the last few years is a spiritual resurgence among the people who call Sacramento their home. And so what we're asking you to do is believe that what has happened in Midtown and Downtown will also take place here in Old Sacramento. So it was really interesting, a few weeks ago we met with um, a development company out of the East Bay and they were really excited to help bring this redevelopment to Old Sac. And so they've kind of been looking at different buildings and they approached us and said, you know what, we want to see a resurgence happen in Old Sacramento. And the moment we heard him say resurgence, after, let me tell you, we've had a lot of meetings with a lot of different buildings, at least seven buildings where we tried to lease. And we would step out in faith and God would shut the door. But then this guy came to us, this development company came to us and he said resurgence. And in that moment we said yes and amen because that's a reminder of God's promise. And so I know that there are some people in this room who have heard words spoken over in their lives. And I'm believing with you as we believe again for God to provide for this new building that God would also help you see the resurgence that he is doing in your life. And he's going to speak words to you again that have been spoken to you maybe when you were young, maybe when you were in elementary school, or maybe just a year ago that you have been like, God, are you even there? I'm believing with you, and this body of people are going to believe with you that God's promises will be carried out in your life the way God's promises are being carried out for Project Church. And so we're just believing and saying, God, you have promised us something. You've given us this word resurgence. And then we heard it again. So we said, yes and amen. And that was a big open door for us to walk through. And some of you, in order to walk in God's promises, are going to have to take a step of faith like we're doing this morning and asking God to give us the faith to believe again that he will carry his promise out. We're not just going to say, okay, we'll see what you're going to do. We'll see what he'll do. No, we're going to watch what God will do. His promises are true. Amen? Amen. Amen. So as a church, uh, we're a family. And uh, we want you to know that and to hear that, that we're a family. We're in this together. And so one thing is that we need to remember what the family vision is. And so first and foremost, we want you guys to know that we exist as a church to lead all people to find life and freedom in Jesus. In a world that's looking for life and life to the fullest, and in a world that's trying to be free of all this stuff that has them bound up, we know where life and freedom lies, and it's in our Savior, Jesus. And so that's the vision of our family, that we would lead all people, everyone we come in contact with, to life and freedom in Jesus. But then the second in that is that we have a vision a family vision for 2019, and that's to believe again and to watch what God will do. Like Chrissy said, 
It's not a might do. It's not a hope he'll do. It's a will do. And so we're just going to step out in faith and say, God, we know you will do this, but we know we're called to partner with you in this. Because you got to hear me. God gives the vision, all right? So God releases the vision to his people. He gives the vision. We are the conduits of that vision. We're the vehicles, okay? So God releases the vision, and then we carry out the vision through our lives, through our body, through our family. And so we're releasing this vision that God has given to us here in the future. So what we want to do is we want to give you, today's a little different day. This is a family day. And so if you're, it's your first time, man, we're so glad you're here. Um, but, but today's going to be a little different. And so we're going to start, but we want to show you the building and what it could look like and most likely will look like. So let's watch this, all right? Check it out. Um, I'm going to walk you through it. Christy and I will walk you through it. So play that little ditty for us. Here we go. Uh, so as you can see, we got the boardwalk. Uh, we'll probably have some outdoor seating, a lot of people hanging out. Then you enter into, the entrance will be here. The doors aren't open, but you'll enter in through this side door entrance. And uh, right away you have a nice big open lobby. And so you walk into this nice open lobby. To your right is a coffee shop. And uh, we plan on having this coffee shop open seven days a week. And uh, this will be a business that hopefully generates uh, not revenue for us because we're going to give all the money away. All proceeds will go to missions all around the world. We have our next step seating area uh, where the class will take place. And then also that will serve, it will double as seating for the coffee shop during the week. Um, then it will take us back through the other side of the lobby. So the lobby basically wraps around the auditorium as you can see. So what we're looking forward to is we're going to have this be more seating, but then also we're talking about having that as a co-working space that people could come and work at, hang out at. Um, our team will probably be working in as well. You come around and then straight ahead, which we just, which is right through there, is the elevator, which takes you up to the kids, and there's stairs too. So our kids will be upstairs, and then this is the entrance into the auditorium. So we got bathrooms right there, takes you into the auditorium. Um, what we're looking at is a 350-seat auditorium. We don't want it to be really big because we like the intimate family feel that, that we've had as a church from the beginning. And so then it takes you upstairs. So this is the kids' check-in area that you saw real quick there. And then kids' classrooms will be up there as well as our team's offices um, and, and really secondary meeting space for our church that anyone will be able to use. And then this kind of gives you an overhead view of the building. This is the first floor. And then it zooms out, and this is the second floor. So you can see check-in, offices, and then kids' space. And then there's an open space up there that we're probably going to rent out or lease out to another group um, as office space just to generate some other revenue for the building. So that's a layout. Two 10,000-square-foot floors, 20,000 square feet total. Come on, somebody. So some new things that we're believing for in 2019. Number one is we're believing for a permanent location, a permanent church home. Uh, we just laid that all out for you. No more description needed. Um, second, you also saw that there was going to be a coffee shop. How many people believe that the coffee shop in their local area or even the Starbucks or the inside or the temple that you go to serves you well? If, does your coffee shop serve you well, right? And so it serves us well, not with just coffee, but also with meeting space. And so what we want to be is not just like this place that has a cool coffee shop and people come to and we 
gain all this revenue. No, we want to serve this community well. And so there's a lot of people who work around this area, and they are walking around looking for a coffee shop. This is a place where they can be served, served well, and then we will be able to serve the nations, this world. Locally and globally, 100% of the proceeds are going to go towards missions. Yeah, third, this is something that we've been kind of mulling around for a few years. We've always wanted to do, but we didn't have a space. And so we're hoping, and our goal is, that a year from this past September that just passed, um, that we'll, we will have the launch of Project Leadership College. And so what we're going to do is we're going to partner with a local university, and what we'll have is a fully accredited Bible college degree that you could get, and then you'll get hands-on practical ministry through our church. So this is for anyone that's young, um, college age, that feels a call to church ministry um, or vocational church ministry, that they could come and get training, they could learn, and then they also can serve in a local church. Maybe they just want to grow closer to God and they just want to do a year and get a little Bible, a few Bible classes and practical hands-on experience. We'll have that option as well. So that's our goal. Um, with the building, just so you guys know, uh, timeline, the building timeline is we hopefully will close in the next couple weeks on the building and then we're looking at a nine month build out, most likely. L possibly worst case scenario, 12 months. But most likely nine months from now we'll be in, moving in with all the build out done because it all depends on the permit process. So we're really excited about this Project Leadership College. And fourth, what we're getting a lot of questions about is what about the future church plants and West Sacramento right now? What we're really excited about and what we've actually discovered in the last few months, we have kind of headquartered ourselves in an office space, pretty small in West Sacramento. And the productivity of our team has increased tremendously. And so what we really see this place being, or not this actual place, but 1200 2nd Street, being is a headquarters for all of our teams to meet and be productive. Because let me tell you, in the last uh, five and a half years between both campuses, we have seen, the, um, we have rented out at least 20 different spaces. And now think about how much energy has gone into not only um, finding a space, think about how much money is going in the space, and then the energy of all of our teams to set up and tear down. So what we have seen and what we've recognized, even with our small office where we're headquartered at, we see the new building being a headquarters for all of our church plants so that we can come together strategically with streamlined, um, one vision kind of synergy so that we can go and plant more churches. Because we felt from the very beginning that God has called us to love God, love people, make disciples, and plant churches. Because that's where you do, you know, the whole loving people and making disciples, planting churches. So we see and foresee more church plants, but having a headquarters will be very important practically um, and also just have a midweek space for some of the church plants that are near this area. Yeah, and then finally, we are going to next year be heading out on two missions trips. So this last year we went to Guatemala. Chrissy led the team. Uh, we partner with an, a care point, we call it, called Grace of God Academy, where they teach kids English. They do computer training with them, and we partner with them. We sponsor 89 kids from that care point. You all do. Um, our church does. And so thank you for that. And so we're going to have an ongoing relationship with them, partnerships. So we're going to go there again. 
in 2019 in the summer. And then we're working on a second trip. So we want to take the gospel to the entire world. And a big way we do that is through missions. And I believe that missions trips change us. We come back different and we have a greater heart for the gospel, for other countries. And that's why we encourage people to go on them. So that will be coming up. 2019, two trips. So, you know, we have a lot of plans. We have our lists and we have a lot of expectation, but many are the plans of a man's heart, right? But without God's grace and anointing on it, it is not going to be worth it. And it won't be the successful that the success that we want to see eternally. So before we move forward, Caleb's going to preach a great message. Heard it the last two services. It was great. 15-minute message. Yes, it'll be a quick one. Before we move forward, we want to just commit these plans to him. Amen. Can you do that with me? Just lift your hearts toward heaven, close your eyes, your hands, whatever you want to lift towards heaven. We're going to lift these plans to him. God, we love you and we thank you that you have given this opportunity to partner with you and your spirit and what he is doing here in Sacramento. We thank you, Jesus, that you have given us this vision. It's your vision. It's a heavenly vision. So, God, we ask that you would give us the strength and the faith to believe that these things will come to pass. And we know that you have promised Project Church a building, but you haven't just promised a physical space. You have promised eternal lives and a building and expansion of your kingdom. So, God, may you have your way. Lift and raise the level of faith in this room, not just for this church building, but for our own lives. God, because every person who's partnering in this, God, you want to do a work in individually. So, God, I pray that faith would be lifted in this room to believe you again for things that they've been requesting. And, God, may we be encouraged by how you have shown us a building and how you are carrying out the promise that you spoke to us years ago. So God, we commit this day to you, we commit these plans to you, and we trust you for every single one of them that you would exceed our expectation and all the monies that we raise. May it go to the furthering of your kingdom in your precious and holy name. Amen. 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 Love you guys. Come on, give it up for Chrissy. That's my wife, y'all. You can cheer louder than that. Come on. Let me read. Zechariah chapter 8, if you have your Bibles, you can go with me there. You can follow along the YouVersion Bible app. It will be on the screen for you. Zechariah chapter 8, second to last book of the Old Testament. All right, here we go. And the word of the Lord of hosts came to me saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the fast of the fourth month, the fast of the fifth, and the fast of the seventh, and the fast of the tenth, shall be to the house of Judah seasons of joy and gladness and cheerful feasts. Therefore, love, truth, and peace. Thus says the Lord of hosts, peoples shall yet come, even the inhabitants of many cities. The inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, let us go at once to entreat the favor of the Lord, to seek the Lord of hosts. I myself am going. Many peoples and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem, to entreat the favor of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, in those days ten men from the nations of every tongue shall take hold of the robe of a Jew, saying, let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. So I want to talk to you today about family matters, about what matters as a family. A few years back, I had the opportunity, I was a youth pastor in Massachusetts. This was probably a decade ago, 10 years ago. And the pastor I was with, he said, hey, we're going to go on a trip with the staff to this upstate New York resort 
And so we, we went, and it was all men. So there were like seven of us men pastors. We all went on this trip. And what we're going to do is we're going to do calendar planning in the evenings and play golf all day long because the resort had a golf course. So I didn't know what to expect. I, I'd never been to upstate New York, uh, but I was like, okay, cool, golf, hang out. So I walked into this resort, and I felt like I was transported back in time. I felt like I was transported back to the 40s. And I started to walk around and look around, and not only that, but every person in the place, staying in the place, every guest looked like they were born in the 30s or 40s. I was by far the youngest person there. So I'm walking around, and, and I'm so confused. Like, this place looks like it hasn't been updated in 70 years, 80 years maybe. And so I'm walking through, and, and I started to talk to some of the employees, and they told me, yeah, we haven't updated it in that long. They told me that this location was the premier vacation spot for all the uppity-ups in New York City in the 40s and 50s. They said that all kinds of big-name uh, performers would come there to perform for these individuals who had big money and were vacationing. And so they told me that, in fact, there were the likes of, and, and you'll know at least this one, Frank Sinatra had performed there on multiple occasions at this resort. So I'm walking around, and I'm like, man, I've been transported back in time. It's the 40s, and uh, everyone here was born in the 40s or the 30s. And, and I'm walking around, and the, I mean, the decor looks the same. It literally was one of the most surreal, strange experiences of my life as I walked around. And they told me, these employees, that, yeah, we've been holding on to what was. Because all the people that come used to come as kids, as teenagers, as early 20-somethings, they used to come and they, they don't want it to change because they're remembering how it used to be and they're remembering what was and they want it to be exactly how it, it, it was then. The problem is that in about 10 years, we may not have anyone coming here any longer. And I haven't checked in on it, but that's probably the case. But it was one of those moments where I started to think, and I was thinking about this passage today, because what I think has happened, and can you guys shut those back doors? Thank you. I'm glad the kids are having a great time, but we have doors. Let's shut them. And so I, it was one of those moments when I, I started to think about that trip when I read this passage. Because here's what I've seen in the church, and maybe you've experienced this. Is a lot of people, they, they do things like fasting. And if you're paying attention when I read the passage, he said, you fast in the fifth month or the fourth month, the fifth month, the seventh month, and the tenth month. And we do a lot of spiritual things. And we do spiritual things that our parents did or that we used to do. And we do them because we've been told to do them. We do them because we think if we do them, then God will accept us. He'll love us. He, he, he won't condemn us. And so we do all these spiritual things like the Israelites were doing. But what happens is when we do things for reasons from the past or out of fear or out of duty, it becomes nothing but dread. 
And so what I've seen in the church is there's a lot of people who are practicing spiritual things, but they're practicing them and there's no joy. They're practicing them and it's just duty. They're practicing them and it's just because that's what they're supposed to do or their parents told them to do or, or, or they heard they're supposed to do or because they're afraid of God. And what was happening here is Zechariah is the prophet and he's speaking to Israel because the people of Israel have been exiles in Babylon and now they're coming back into Jerusalem. And if you were listening when I read that passage, he said, you fast in all these months, the fourth month, the fifth month, the seventh month, the tenth month, but this shall be a season of joy and gladness and cheerful feasts. So I don't know if you've ever fasted before, but I remember the first time I fasted, within like four hours, I thought I was going to die. Can anybody feel me? You're like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. I actually asked our leadership pipeline, we have a leadership pipeline here at our church, to fast for 24 hours and we were going to finish the fast. We were going to eat together. And they were all sending me messages all day long like, Caleb, I don't think I can make it. I'm like, it's 24 hours. I don't think I can do it. My body's eating itself. I'm like, calm down. You're going to make it. Trust me, your body can survive for 24 hours without food. But it, it got me thinking about a lot of the spiritual things we do. And that they become duty. They become ritual. They become fear-based. And there's no joy. You see, I want our church to be a place that when people come into the presence, they feel the power, and the power gives them joy. I want people to, to come to our church and say, man, I left there feeling joyful. I came in sad, and all of a sudden, a smile went on my face, and I left there joy-filled. I don't want the spiritual practices like fasting, like prayer, like worship, like attending church to ever feel like duty. And let me tell you something. Whenever you fast, you always follow it with a feast. Come on, somebody. If you've ever fasted, you ended it with a feast. And what I found in my life is that there's been times and seasons when I was doing spiritual things out of duty and there was no joy in them. And what Zechariah is saying to Israel, he says, look, you've done all these spiritual things. You've done all these fasts, but I'm going to return to you a season of joy and gladness. I'm going to return to you a feast that is cheerful. And I believe what God is wanting to say to us that as a family... That we are a church that carries joy with us in everything we do. Everywhere we go. Every spiritual practice we have. Why? Because we realize it's not so God loves us or accepts us. It's because God loves us and accepts us. We don't do it so. We do it because. We don't do it so he forgives us. We do it because he forgives us. We don't do it so he loves us. We do it because he loves us. And so I want to encourage you. That, that we as a church would become people and our church would believe that this place is a place that God renews the sense of joy that I believe has been here but will continue to be here. You see, we're in a season, a new season, where we're believing again. And what I want to do today is I want to talk to you about what matters in our family. You see, the first thing that matters in our family is what you give matters. You hear me? 
What you give matters. You guys know we have $230,000 in savings right now. You know why we have that? Because you gave. You know why we're able to even enter into this building and go in escrow and even have an opportunity for that? Because you gave. You know we support 19 missionaries that, that take the gospel across the world as a church. You want to know why we're able to do that? Because you give. Your giving matters. I try to be a good steward. Our board tries to be a good steward. Our team tries to be a good steward of what you give. But let me tell you, what you give matters. And if you think that even your little bit doesn't matter, it does. In fact, on that bulletin you got or that, that pamphlet, it says, it's not about equal giving, it's about equal sacrifice. You see, all of us in here, we have a different lid. We have a different ceiling. We have different capacity to give. But we all must give sacrificially. It's not about equal giving. You're not going to give as much as the person that makes double what you give most likely. But you are going to give what you can give. And it matters. You know, I, I'm so thankful for a church that gives, that's positioned us where we are to do what we're supposed to do. And, and I'm thankful, and I wanted you to hear me today, because if we don't give, we don't just rob God of what's his. We actually rob ourselves of the blessing that comes through giving. And some of you have been like, man, the church, they talk about money all the time. Uh, and, and here I have this card, and they're actually going to ask me to make a commitment today. Yes, we are. And I can't believe that. And, and I can't give. I mean, I, I can barely survive. Let me tell you something. You're not robbing God of what's his. You're robbing yourself of the blessing that comes through giving. Because I've, I've given my whole life. Since I was a kid, I started tithing just because my mom and dad told me to do it. And there was a season I did it out of duty. But let me tell you, as I've gotten older, there's a joy that has come through it. And there's a, there's a heart that has changed in me. And my wife is way more generous than me. If she, if she had the bank account, if she had complete control, we'd give all our money away. But I'm there to be a little voice of reason to say you can't bless everybody, all right? But you can bless somebody. And I'm telling you, I'd rather have her heart than my heart. I'd rather want to give to everybody than give to nobody. And at the end of the day, we have to be wise. But I want to tell you, what you give matters. And so thank you. Thank you for giving. Second today, what matters in our family is how you serve matters. How you serve matters. You know, it's funny. Uh, I've had a lot of pastor friends visit our church over the years. And uh, a lot of pastor friends, they'll sneak in. In fact, in our 930 service, there was somebody, a pastor friend, he came to visit today. I'm like, what are you doing here? We've had pastor friends visit our downtown campus. We've had pastor friends visit our West Sac campus because they're like, how did you already plant a church? You guys are too young. You're not big enough to plant a church, whatever. I believe people have come and are attracted to what we're doing because we're a young church uh, in the heart of the city. And there aren't a lot of churches in the heart of the city anymore. And so pastors come, but, but it's been funny that their first comment they tell me every time they visit our church is this. Why is your church so good looking? <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. That's the first comment. So I've heard this multiple times. So the first time it happens, some of you aren't laughing. You feel uncomfortable already. Um, don't worry. It's going to be okay. The first time I heard that, I was like, oh, whatever, I guess. And then the second time, I was like, why does everyone keep saying that? And then just a friend of mine came and visited a couple weeks ago, and he said the same, dude, why is your church so good looking? 
And I was like, I don't know. And then I started to visit other churches. I'm like, they're right. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Let me tell you why I think people see that and perceive that. I don't think they see that and perceive that simply because of how we look superficially. I think they see that and perceive that because of the joy that our house carries. Because I think that joy is attractive. I think that, that passion is attractive. That passion draws people. That joy draws people. And what I've seen is that our house carries a joy and a passion that when people see it, they say, man, all those people are attractive. And some of you are like, I know he ain't talking about me. Whether you think you're attractive or not, let me tell you something. I've met some people that superficially, somebody might say, is unattractive. But when they carry joy and they carry passion, there's an attractiveness that pulls me towards them. So I want to encourage you, church, because some of you have been walking around in a season or a spirit of despair and, and angst and, and fear and, and, and lackadaisical mentality. And I want to tell you right now, the church of God must be passionate and the church of God must be joy-filled. And I believe that Project Church carries that because God is about to draw a new group of people to our church. And so this is me reaffirming in you, thank you for serving. Because you all serve, most of you, you carry that joy and passion and that joy and passion is attractive and I don't know about you but I'd rather be with attractive people than unattractive people and I don't mean that just physically I'm talking about the spirit in which they carry joy is attractive passion is attractive I would much rather spend my day with joy-filled passionate people than those who are in despair and feel like they got nothing to live for let me tell you, church, you continue to walk out joy and walk out passion. God is going to do something like we've never seen in this house. There's going to be an outpouring like we've never seen. Here's what I see in Scripture. And I just read this passage to you, and I know it's like they're talking about Jerusalem. They're talking about the Jews going back to Jerusalem. But I think we can just replace Jerusalem with Sacramento. Here's what I'm seeing. They're saying the next... Five to ten years, there'll be 10,000 new people living in Sac downtown Sacramento. They're saying that this riverfront right here is about to be, right here, is about to be redeveloped. Lost my bearings for a moment. They're saying that old, Sac old Sacramento, they're about to invest millions of dollars into a resurgence here. I'm telling you, six years ago, we came to downtown Sacramento. It was depressing. And, and Chrissy stole my story. But I prayed every Sunday morning with our church. I said, we, ought, we need to pray that the kings stay and they build an arena in downtown Sacramento. Let me tell you, there might be some owners that take credit, but I give all the credit to my Savior, Jesus. Project Church prayed and it happened. They stayed. I'm believing now there's a resurgence about to happen in old Sacramento. And we are getting in on the ground level, the forefront of what God is about to do. So let me read this again for you. It says, many peoples and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem, say Sacramento, to entreat the favor of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, in those days ten men from the nations of every tongue shall take hold of the robe of a Jew, saying, let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Here's what I'm seeing. 
six and a half years ago, Christy and I were trying to decide where we are going to plant a church. Because we knew God had told us plant a church in California. We didn't know where. And so we went to San Francisco because I'm like, that's cool. In the bay, the city, I'm going to go there. It seems sexy, y'all. Like, that's what I was thinking. Sorry, pastors shouldn't say sexy unless they're talking about their wife. And that's only in private conversations. So, I, I got to save this. Okay. So we went there. And we walked around and we prayed over this. We spent two nights in San Francisco. And at the end of the two nights, we both wrote down in our journals, downtown Sacramento. You want to know why? Because we want to be here. Because God called us here. Because we had a sense that God was about to do something special here. And I'm here to declare that and believe again that God is doing something in our city. And we are positioned perfectly to be on the forefront of a revival in this city. Not just a, a physical resurgence. Not just an economic resurgence. But a spiritual resurgence. A spiritual revival that must start with us as God's people. So did you see, I know you guys don't wear robes. But did you see what it said in that passage? It said 10 men of all different nations and tongues will grab hold of the Jew's robe and say, I want to go with you because I've heard that God is with you. God is with you. Listen to me. The third thing that matters is who you invite matters. And the last one is what you do matters. Who you invite matters, and what you do matters. The band will come back up. Can we sing, guys? What are we going to sing? Do it again? I see you move. Come on. You move the mountains. Let's go. I believe. Come on, sing it. I see you do it again. You made a way where there was no way. And I believe. I see you do it again. Okay, I don't know why I'm singing. Come on. Finish this, Caleb. Who you invite matters. What you do matters. This is what I wanted you to hear. Some of you have discredited the impact that you have in this life. Some of you have been walking through life unfulfilled, no joy, no passion. And I think it's because You've forgotten about the God that lives in you. And this just said, this passage, it said, men of, of all different nations and tongues are going to grab hold of the, the robes of the Jews and say, let us go with you. For we have heard that God is with you. That God is in this place. And I wanted to declare to you, and I want to declare over myself, there's some of you have been realizing and recognizing and you've been noticing that people are attaching themselves to you. And you're like, why are they doing this? I'm, I'm nobody. I'm not even that cool. I'm not even that attractive. And yet people in your life, in your job, your neighbors, your, your co-workers, friends that you're making on the street, people you're coming in contact with, they're latching on to you. And they're grabbing hold of you. And you're wondering why. And, and, and you've just seen it as, oh, it just must be weird, coincidence. I must be like a little more positive today. No. You want to know why people are attaching themselves to you? It's because of the God that lives in you. 
And let me tell you, there's about to be a wave of people that come into this city. A wave of people that come with this economic resurgence. That come with these new businesses. That come with this arena. That come with this redevelopment of Old Sack. There's a wave of people coming to our city. We have been positioned perfectly for a time such as this. And people are going to start attaching themselves to you. To your life to what you carry and I'm here to tell you it's because of the God that lives in you and it's our opportunity to say you know what this isn't about me this is about him and you're gonna bring people you're gonna draw people you're gonna pull people and you say this is why this is why you're attaching to me this is why you're grabbing hold of me not because of me but because of the God in me and let me point you to him so I want to encourage you today, church. Listen, Chrissy said it a couple weeks ago. God is in a good mood. God is in a, you want to know why? Because there is a church, a young church, man, we're five years old. We just started kindergarten. There's a young church that is pushing, that is going, that is believing, that is stepping out of faith, that's getting out of the boat. And we may sink a little, but we're also going to walk on some water. And when we sink, we know that God will grab hold of our hands and pull us back up and say, you had some faith, but you needed more. And we'll say, all right, God, next time we'll have more faith. We may sink, but our Savior will lift us. I don't want to be a church that stays in the boat. I want to be a church that gets out of the boat. Let me tell you why God is in a good mood. Because his children are doing things they've never done. They're going places they've never been. They're trying things they've never tried. Man, when my kids first started basketball, you ever seen a kid dribble a basketball for the first time? This is how they dribble. And usually they hit it once and then the ball just bounces until it stops and their hand's still going like this. Do you think that when my son Kanan, my son Kai started dribbling and the ball just stopped bouncing, that I was like, man, kid, you suck. Don't try that again. Like you obviously don't have what it takes. Give me the ball, let me show you, but you don't need to try. You should probably go do some other things. Take up golf. You think that that's what I did as a parent? No, when my kid did this and the ball bounced one time and then it bounced on the ground, I was like, good job, buddy. You bounced it twice. Good job, buddy. You slapped it three times. Let's try using your fingertips next time. See what happens. Why? Because I'm a father. And I'm proud of my children when they try new things. I'm proud of my children when they step out in faith. I'm proud of my children when they, they go places they've never gone. Let me tell you, God is looking at us right now. He's in a good mood. He's saying, look at my kids. Look at what they're doing. Look at what they're, some of you have stepped out in faith, tried new things. And it maybe hasn't gone perfectly. But let me tell you, there's a God in heaven saying, man, I'm in a good mood. Look at my kid go. He dribbled twice. He dribbled three times. Look at him. God is saying the same thing to us, church. He's looking down at us. He's saying, look at them. Look at them go. We're going to stumble along the way. We might sink sometimes, but we're also going to walk on water. We're going to believe again. We're going to believe for God to do a new thing. Why? Because there are people being drawn to this city of all nations, all backgrounds. Man, ain't nobody can afford the bay anymore anyways. Guess where they're coming? They're coming to us. And we're going to be ready, church. We're going to be ready for a spiritual revival that takes place in this city. And it's going to start with us. Why? It's going to start with the church that steps out and says, we may not know what's coming, 
but we believe that something great is. And so we're going to step out in faith and we're going to do what only we can do. We're going to do what only God can do. We're going to do what he's put in our hearts. We're going to step out in faith. So listen, you guys have these packets. It's like a two-page fold and then these cards are in the inside. This is what I'm asking you to do. We're going to sing this song. I've seen you move. Do it again. I'm going to ask you to write down a commitment. This is for the next nine months that you would make a commitment to give something in the next nine months to Project Church to see this happen. Not only that, but in three weeks, December 9th, we're going to kick off this commitment time with an end-of-the-year offering, a Believe Again miracle offering on December 9th. We want you to come ready on that day. This will kick off your Believe Again. I mean, y'all need tax write-offs anyway, so bring it. December 9th, end-of-the-year offering. But I want you to make a commitment that over the next nine months, you're going to give this. You're going to believe in this. Listen, Chrissy and I wrote down a number. We don't know how it's going to happen, but we're believing for it. We're stepping out in faith. Not only that, but let me tell you, this is a kingdom thing. We aren't in this alone. In fact, right now, at this very moment probably, Capital Christian Center, the church that I grew up in, is taking an offering for us, for our building. We aren't in this alone, church. So somebody's like, oh my goodness, like 670,000, how's that going to happen? Let me tell you it's going to happen because God is on our side. And we aren't in this alone. We got kingdom partners coming alongside of us. They're saying, you're not going to do this alone. We're going to help you. We're not going to let you do a miracle all by yourselves. We want to be a part of that miracle. But listen, church, it takes us too. What you give matters. We can't expect this to be just somebody else. What about us? What am I going to do? Watch what God will do through you. So we're going to sing, church. I'm going to pray over this time. And what we're going to do is, after we sing this song, the buckets are going to get passed down the aisles, and I'm going to ask you to just drop this in the bucket. This isn't like you're not bound in blood by this. It actually says if you need to increase it or decrease it at any time. Yes, Lord. Continue to increase it, though. If you need to increase or decrease at any time, that's fine. This is just a commitment, faith commitment, a faith promise that you're believing that God can do something through you. So can we pray? If you need to talk to your spouse, talk to him as we sing. If you just need to pray for a moment as we sing, God, what do you want me to do? Pray. Ask him to drop a number in your heart. And I'm going to pray that it's a number that you don't think is possible. Because he's a God of the impossible. But he's a God that owns it all. So let's pray.